Well, I saw the crossing guard get pulled over. The crossing guard? Yeah, you know the crossing guard that's down the street from our house? Well, like, she was done with her shift or whatever, and then I was driving up the street, and I saw her get pulled over, like, not even a block from her crossing post. Was she driving too fast in the school zone? (laughs) (laughs) I feel fantastic, and I never felt as good as how I do right now, except for maybe when I think of how I felt that day, when I felt the way that I do right now, right now. I feel fantastic, and I never felt as good as how I do right now, except for maybe when I think of how I felt that day, when I felt the way that I do right now, right now, right now. Okay, we want to welcome you to Mental Health Moment. I am Emily, and tonight we have a special co-host. Um, since Lara is not available to hang out with me tonight, so I get to hang out with this really cool guy, um, and he's so cool that he married me. <laughs> and his name, well, you can introduce yourself. Hi, I'm I'm Ben. I married Emily. Technically, I think well, I don't know. I asked you, so. We both said yes. We so. both said yes. That's all right. That's pretty good. Okay. And I've been upgraded from uh, technical uh, advisor to... Guest co-host. To guest co-host. <laughs> so I expect the pay raise, whoever runs the accounting around here. <laughs> we should probably get it. I don't know. We need an accounting department. Yeah. That'll come later. <laughs> Stay tuned. Dun, dun, dun. Um, but you know what? Probably after this episode, you're going probably back to technical, since I don't know how to do any of that. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we thought we'd talk a little bit about something that is near and dear to our heart, um, and that something that Ben and I both have quite a bit of experience on, at least 12 years or so. Uh, and so we want to talk tonight a little bit about the... Stresses in the mental health of those who parent kiddos with special needs. Um, Because a lot of times when kiddos are chronically sick or terminally ill um, or just have a lot of health problems going on, um, there's a lot of attention to the kids, uh, but sometimes not as much attention as to the rest of the family especially the parents going through it with their child. Um, So we thought we'd share a little bit of our experiences. And And what I find interesting is, you know, this is something I've talked a bunch about on various occasions. occasions. Mm -hmm. Um, Something that's interesting to me that I don't think I've ever talked about before or discussed before is the mental health aspect of it. Because I think we talked a lot about our experiences and... Um, telling healthcare professionals what it's like, how they could do better, um, other parents, what it's like, how to do better. Um, but from a mental health yeah, or, I, or perspective, that really hasn't ever been addressed because... At least I've never talked about it before, so right. I'm interested in hearing that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so uh, do you want to give them some background on kind of how we got in our special needs Cool club? Uh, sure. Our, uh, how we got in the special needs parent cool club. Um, we'd just been We're married. Jackets. <laughs> just kidding. Hopefully they're free. Hopefully. Because medical bills are Yeah, there's a lot of expenses too. Um, <laughs> how we got into the cool club. Um, when we were, well, when Emily was 
halfway pregnant <laughs> with 20 our weeks. 20 weeks with our, with our, our daughter, our first child, um, is when we did the typical ultrasound and went into that and, um, you know, did the usual checkup of stuff. And then the ultrasound tech kind of got a look on their face like, Oh no, <laughs> something is very wrong here. And, uh, we were escorted to the next room where, a diagnosing doctor told us that our child had spina bifida. And so we learned all about uh, spina bifida. Um, just a quick thing of that, that is a, a neural tube defect. The spine, her spine didn't form all the way correctly. And so it was basically, she was born formed, um, with a, a spinal cord injury. So she's been essentially paralyzed since before she was born since, since birth. Um, that has been the bulk of our um, medical <laughs> foraging. Uh, since then, we had two other kids. And then our youngest daughter at uh, about 19 months, 16, 16 months. months, excuse me, 16 months, um, was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Um, it has its own set of challenges, probably less hospital challenges than the other one, but still a never-ending barrage of... Um, making sure that blood sugars are correct and a little bit of constant anxiety about are their sugars too high and they're going to die or are their sugars too low and they're going to die. Mm -hmm. um, so that's been four years now that she's been dealing with that. And then just uh, earlier this year, or sorry, that'd be last year now. It's 2017. Yeah, sorry. 2017. I'm getting used to that. He's almost coming up on a year. Just, just last year, our son, who is in between the age of that of the two daughters um, was diagnosed with type one diabetes too. And he was um, eight when that happened. So a little bit later on in life than, than the 16 months that our daughter has. Um, but essentially that comes down to all three of our kids have some sort of medical, medical um, issue going on that we have to be keenly aware of and affects our whole mental health of our family and yeah, and just even, even I think our daily routines, I mean, you know, from, and I think the mental health of Ben and I, it kind of, I mean, it goes moment to moment. I think some days, depending on kind of what's going on and, and how, how <laughs> difficult the day is with their different situations that come up. Um, and I think Ben brings up a good point, you know, um, he said, you just, you worry if their sugars are too high and they might die. You worry if their sugars are too low and they might die. And then, um, our daughter, uh, she's had instances where she's had a really rough go and we weren't sure she was going to come out of, uh, different situations that she's been faced with different challenges. And she's had some near death stuff happen. And so being in this, uh, parents club, the cool club, um, it's terrifying, I think, is at moments. Very There's, terrifying. Even if we got jackets, I still think it'd be terrifying. Yeah. And I don't know if the jackets would take away the terror. No, 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 no. So, um, and I think that living with that constant thought of, okay, is this the day that one of my kiddos isn't going to make it? Um, it can be very what's the word sobering I guess or just nerve-wracking mm -hmm. it can it can be anxiety inducing mm -hmm. um I know that since um 
<clears throat> before uh, I had kids, I did have a tendency with some anxiety, uh, but I think that since our kiddos have had so many medical issues, um, I would say my anxiety has been exacerbated. And I definitely think my husband would agree with that since he has to (laughs) hang out Um, with me with my anxiety. (laughs) In contrast to that, I I think to your anxiety is my um, logical brain, which Mm. sits there and says, okay, we're not sure about any of this. We've talked, you've talked about before that, you know, anxious brain tells you that everybody's going to die and Mm -hmm. worst case scenario and catastrophizing and, um, I tend to come off more of the logical brain, which says none of that's happening. It's okay. Um, uh, which but makes, pro- well, which makes it difficult, I think, for me, um, especially when we were first starting to go through our challenges, because I would get in that anxious brain, that animal brain, that like fly, fight or flight or freeze, and that survival mode, and I was just like, "What are you? Why are you so cold? And why are you so logical? And why are you so rational?" And I would get so amped up about like what was going on and Ben would sit there calmly and he's like well we we don't really know for sure and and my anxiety brain kind of wanted to kill him a little bit <laughs> at I least mean, punch me <laughs> yeah but no physical violence happened I just have I feel like I have to preface that I don't know there has been no physical violence no, no. <laughs> even though the thought was there and I guess that what comes from my perspective of having that very logical side is okay. You're trying to calm someone down at the same time. And you know, a rational, I don't want to say I'm, I'm right, but there, there's a very sense of like, look, this is the reality. Nothing bad has happened yet. Or I'm (laughs) in the middle of all this bad stuff going on. The worst case has not happened yet. Meaning we mm-hmm. haven't lost a We haven't lost yet. anything. And so that, I mean, that's the, the situation I'm coming from, obviously trying to calm you down or try to talk down your anxiety brain. But it still um, means there's a side of it that comes from me that, that means I'm holding back something. I'm obviously don't want to go there or don't want to think about it or don't want to deal with the emotional side of, of what this really means. You know, I think it'd be hard to accept that. And I think that's kind of the mental health side of the logical brain, which is I'm going to tell you all these things and yeah, maybe they didn't happen, but it doesn't mean I'm dealing with it in the best way. I'm very repressing it. And, and even though it is truthful and logical, it it certainly is repressing any, a lot of fear or anger or even the reality of the situation. Mm -hmm. So I contrast that to the, the anxiety side of, Oh no, this is the worst thing ever to the logical side, which this isn't the worst thing ever, but I don't want to deal with it. <laughs> but I'm not going to deal, I'm not gonna with, deal it. with it. I'm not going to deal with it. I'll be tough and, yeah. and non-feeling about it, which comes with its own set of challenges. So I think those are the two sides of our challenge that I see. Yeah, definitely. I think that, you know, we both run into kind of that, I don't know, I you know, our struggle has been that because we deal with it so differently, trying to figure out how to support each other, um, while at the same time trying to meet our own mental health needs. And which I think has, uh, I don't know, after 13 plus years of hanging out together, I think we may be starting to get a feel for kind of just how to balance that a little bit obviously with every hospital stay or every scary moment 
you know, there's some fine tuning that has to go along with that, but, um, you know, and, and putting <laughs> aside my, my desire to punch something or someone, um, when I get frustrated with things, but, um, I just lost my train of thought. That's right. Well, step in, please. Step in. <laughs> I would just say then, you know, what have I could say, we could say, we come to this amazing conclusion of we know exactly how to do this and deal with it perfectly. Um, but we haven't, but I'd say we'd talk about what we have learned from it mm-hmm. and what we try to do while we're sitting here very rational and nothing, no catastrophes going on. It's easy to talk about all the strategies that we have. Yeah. So I'd preface that with a disclaimer that a lot of this is easier um, said than done, especially in uh, without a catastrophe going on or, Right. any stressful moments because a lot of it you do forget a lot of the skills and a lot of what you've decided about and talked about in the moment of any stressful situation definitely um but that doesn't mean we learn every single time what we can do a little bit better and try to do them and try to talk about okay remember when i start doing this you need to talk me down from this or when I start doing this, this means technically that I'm stressed and I can't handle it. And you know how to step in and, and, and help with that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I, it's that constant, um, just, just being aware of, uh, kind of checking in with yourself and then, and then like your spouse. So, um, for example, with, with our hospital stays nowadays, when, when they happen, it's, um, kind of checking in with myself, seeing kind of what I need emotionally, um, and allowing myself to have that, whether it's going in the bathroom and crying, like, like out of control sobbing, or whether it's going for a walk around the hospital halls, or, um, or calling up my mom or, or a friend, um, or just reading a really trashy novel, because like that's so mindless, uh, and then after yeah, I, I can get behind the mindless stuff. I, yeah. I, I don't read a trashy novel, but <laughs> whatever, whatever is mindless. <laughs> like sometimes I pretend like I'm going to stay up there, and uh, you know, oh, I can work from the hospital or something like that, and no. and um, you know that doesn't work so well because that's too mindful. I'm concentrating on something going on. I just need to sit up there and do something that doesn't tax my brain, you know? So there's a lot of Netflix, well, Netflix, iPhone games, a lot of just stuff that doesn't take any brain power. Just, just helps get you, your mind in the right place to just kind of deal with it and get through it as opposed to, uh, and deal with whatever comes along because I mean, hospital stays are just so, unpredictable. Yeah. Nothing ever goes right. If they tell you you're getting out tomorrow. Well, at least in yeah. our experience. Yeah. In our experience with our, our kid getting it, you're, you'll be there five days means you'll be there one day or two or 10 weeks. Days. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, and so just, uh, I think having mindless activities, I know we talk a lot about being mindful and doing a lot of like, um, kind of moments where you, you have these mindful moments. Uh, sometimes when we're in high stress situations, one of the best things you can do is distract that brain. So it doesn't have to stay in that anxious place or super logical place. Uh, so having mindless activities actually can be really, really, 
helpful in building up that resilience to really scary situations, you know? So I've gotten really good at farm heroes. Um, <laughs> yes, again, promoting a product, not getting paid for it. You're welcome. Um, solitaire drives me nuts, so I can't play that anymore because mm. I... I wanted to break the game. Too, too much thinking is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah. So you just really have to find what can work for you as a parent or as a person in this situation where you're you're helping these kiddos. Because you have to be the rational one because the kiddos are going through a lot themselves. And you have to... It, it's you have to be their hit. advocate. You have to... Yeah. Uh, doctors will come in and there's lots of different teams and... People all trying to help out get better, but sometimes you're the only one who can coordinate that information and keep them all on the same page, and that's that can be a difficult job in and of itself. <laughs> Definitely, and so by trying to do everything that you can, um, whether it's playing mindless games or checking in with each other, uh, kind of trying to get the temperature of the situation, um, or you know, getting those really good Rice Krispie treats from the cafeteria when they have them on Mondays and Wednesdays. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you know that is is pretty scary. I know, but they're sometimes so Fridays or just Mondays and Wednesdays. Uh, sometimes Fridays. Some I think it's just when a certain person works there. Oh, okay. Like they're the Rice Krispie treat maker. If you have to have a catastrophe, Monday and Wednesdays the best days. Primary children's <laughs> plan, plan them. <laughs> <laughs> or, or but Thursday is potato day, right? Is that once in a while? Yeah. Once in a while. So anyway. <laughs> I find what's good on that day and and take advantage of it. Yeah, and so doing anything you can to kind of keep yourself in check, and also, you know, I finally learned after all these years that it's okay for me to take a nap during the day when I'm up there because nights at a hospital suck. Yeah. I mean, they're horrible. And so giving yourself permission, like, what are your basic needs? And so meeting your basic needs, am I hungry? Am I tired? Am I whatever? I mean, let's meet those basic needs so that you can advocate for your child and advocate for yourself too. Because no doctor is going to want to come in and talk to a parent when the parent hasn't slept for two days, when the parent hasn't eaten, when the parent hasn't showered. You know, like that parent is not in a good place. I mean, the doctors are still going to talk to you, but it's not going to have be a good conversation no matter what it is because your needs aren't being met. Yeah. And that's the hard part is remembering your needs uh -huh. while you, because you're there focusing on a child's needs and your child's needs and making sure that everything is done right. You know, as much as doctors and nurses are all there, you know, you've got that occasional nurse that will forget. That something <laughs> your child needs medication at night and that's <laughs> anyway I won't, but, I won't get there but, no, but the point but is is in the middle of that what I have a problem with is remembering to take care of myself and I'll look I'll have been there all day and I'll look up and be like huh when the food cart came by I got a bagel and that's all I've eaten all today maybe that's why I can't think straight right now that's that on top of of not sleeping last night and and that becomes my last my last thought is, am I taking care of myself properly? Mm -hmm. And that's something I got to remember to do, but it's really hard in the middle of, I'm here to make sure my kid gets better. Because you're never there on a Monday or Wednesday with the Rice Krispie well, Treats. So sometimes. Then, 
Well, I'm just saying, you usually take over weekend duty, so I'm just just saying, you're missing the Rice Krispie Treat days. I so. am. And then another thing I think is, is helpful is um, that I've learned is, is planning out a little bit of what you're going to do. Um, again, we just talked about how unpredictable it is. So um, I think planning helps set that groundwork for, I know that needs are being taken care of. You, you know that mm-hmm. you're going to be here this day and someone else is going to be here this day. We're going to switch. Someone else is going to come up there. Someone else is going to give you a break and stuff like that. Um, planning that helps uh, keep the stress down. And from my experience, as long as you realize that those plans are, can be a little bit volatile and the next those moment plans will change. Those, the plans will yeah. change. But, but the point is at least we don't go into a plan saying um, you're going to be there the whole time. And I don't know when I can come up and, and spell you or something right. like that. That's, because that's not then I helpful. Would want to punch him again. Back to the punching. I know. Oh my we're gosh. I have, have t- so much anger. We're going to have to, we got to like work. I will not title this. Just punch me because that, that'll be that'll be the wrong wrong idea. But but in our experience, you know, and maybe a lot of people can relate to this. That you know, um, you know, the kid wants their mom up there because moms represent caring and healing and, and all that kind of stuff. But guess what? The other kids at home they want <laughs> they want mom because that represents normalcy and you know, mom, in, in our case, at least mom yeah. tends to be home with the kids more while I'm at work. And so if I'm always the one coming home at night to the kids and not mom, they get done with you. They're, they're done because this is not normalcy. Mom is here to help us with homework. Mom is here to make sure we get ready for bed. You know, they're right. used to that. And the same with the kid in the hospital. Mom is here at the hospital to make sure I'm getting my best care. At least that's our experience and maybe that's dad in someone else's experience. But the point is, is one parent is usually seen as we want to be with that primary, with primary care parent, you know? So the kids at home say they want to be with mom and the kid at the hospital says, well, I want mom here and And mom cannot be at the hospital the whole time for everybody's sanity or punching happens or punching happens. Um, so thoughts of punching. So that, that's what I think where this plan comes in and saying, I'm going to be up here this, this times, and then I'm going to come home and someone else is going to be up there with the child at the hospital so that we can have a little bit of together family time. Then the other parent will switch out and go up there. And yes, the plans can change and things like that, but at least this is something you can tell your kids to say, make sure that they stay with a little bit of normalcy or planning that Mm -hmm. can come from, from these stressful situations. You're just trying to help everybody lessen the stress of, okay, mom will... We will. We miss mom. Well, mom will be home tomorrow night. Remember how we planned that, and mm-hmm. and this is what's going to happen. And so and so is going to go watch the kid up at the hospital, and or the kid at the hospital will be like, "Oh, I got to go home to see the other kids." Well, I'm going to be all by myself. No, no, no. We've got your grandma, for example, to come up and and Hang sit with you. Yeah. And then dad will come over and take over that night. And um. You know, a little bit open to if those plans need to change or something comes up or you have three days planned out and the hospital stay goes four, five, six, seven. You kind of got to two, three weeks. You kind of got to think on your toes a little bit, but at least as much as you can plan those out and make sure that everybody's okay with as much as possible with what's going on to make sure that nobody's left in some place 
for too long, especially if that person's at the hospital. Because <laughs> as much as you're doing mindful, mindless stuff at the hospital, it can make you question um, your sanity <laughs> after a while. Definitely. It, it can make you feel mindless. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so just to kind of recap some of that stuff, I mean, having special needs kids is a terrifying, it can be a terrifying process and it can be fearful of the unknown and it can bring up a lot of excess stress and a lot of, I mean, you know, like even just like financial burdens from medical bills and, um, you know, lots of stress. So not only are we concerned about their health all the time or, you know, those fears, but of what could happen, but there's just, there's, there are a lot of factors. And I think that probably the most positive way we can approach it is kind of having a tentative plan when stuff comes up and stuff always comes up. And then also, um, making sure that we are able to practice some mindless activities <laughs> to kind of just keep us in check and then checking in with each other. And then also just allowing ourselves to kind of just be authentic and genuine and allow ourselves to not be on all the time. Yeah. Be very forgiving because you're going to, yeah. you're going to mess up and we're going to piss each other off. Say something or. Stay. You I mean, know, it's guaranteed. Something else is going to come up and you were supposed to be there that night and you got two nights in a row at the hospital and you didn't bargain for that. And, yeah. um, that's, but something else came up and, you know, it's not fair to anybody right. and nobody likes it, that situation, but that's just kind of rolling is. with the punches and being a little forgiving of the situation. Yeah. So definitely remembering to be forgiving. Um, I think down the road it might be more helpful or you know, just helpful to have some of our our parents from our cool parent club <laughs> yeah. come and talk about their experiences maybe. Uh, if you want to hear from more parents, let us know. You can always comment on our website. Um, and while we're at it, just remember to check out our website at emilyknewbold.com. Uh, also, you can you can follow us on Facebook, Mental Health Moment. Um, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or on whatever device. I don't right. know. You explain that. I'll just put in a plug that, you know, you can listen however you want. However, we have a very good idea of of the number of people who are listening if you subscribe through iTunes since they give us some good stats. Whereas if you just look on the website. Which is cool. Which is cool. However you want. No one's forcing you to do anything. But Subscribing is cooler. So subscribing lets us know that you're getting it every week, and we're happy about that. Yeah, and, it, and it's just nice to know kind of, you know, who we're reaching or kind of what, how many people we're reaching. I mean, you know, I mean, I subscribe because it's yeah. my podcast. No, and I subscribe. Ben subscribed because he's Because I created it. And so. he created it. <laughs> and all that stuff Uh, but anyway please subscribe tell your friends tell your family let's get the word out and let's get talking about different stuff that is applicable to all of us here in the community because mental health stuff I mean it mental health affects everybody whether you think it does or not it definitely does so if you have any ideas for future shows please message us either on Facebook or on the website leave some comments for us um and we want to thank Jonathan Colton for the music, and we'll see you next week. Thanks. Bye.
fantastic And I never felt as good as how I do right now Except for maybe when I think of how I felt that day When I felt the way that I do right now Right now I feel fantastic And I never felt as good as how I do right now Except for maybe when I think of how I felt that day When I felt the way that I do right now Right now, right now